If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I work with a lot of people who come and say, I'm just stuck. I, I don't know what to do next. I've, I'm just a tangle. It's creating space to just slow down that thinking and think, what do you really want to do? Do you have an idea of what an ideal tomorrow scenario would be? So if everything came good for you, if all your luck came together, what would that look like for you tomorrow? It's allowing yourself to believe there's an ideal scenario coming for you and start playing in that space. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect podcast with me, your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. This show is about giving you a pause to nurture and nourish your mind, body and soul. Each week I speak to world experts, authors, scientists and inspirational leaders to share their wisdom and advice so we can all live better from the inside out and reach our full potential. I hope you join me on the journey. Today I'm speaking with Eleanor Tweddle, the author of new book, Why Losing Your Job Could Be the Best Thing That Ever Happened to You, Five Simple Steps to Thrive After Redundancy. Eleanor had been working in the corporate world for over 20 years in serious management positions across multinational companies, and she was made redundant. The experience inspired her to start her own company, Another Door, to work with individuals and organizations to provide support and advice through redundancy. Her book is not only an amazing guide for people in between jobs, but really it tackles the transition to recovering from any unexpected disappointment. I am really excited to have her on today's show. What is a favorite quote you like to return to often and why? Okay, I'm going to go with a modern one that sticks in my head and has stuck in my head all year. Everything is figure outable. Very hard word to say. But Maria Folio, obviously that's her book now, but she used to talk about that a lot in her work. And I just think it sums it up. 
every time I get stuck, I return to this quote. You know, we can work it out. There's a solution somewhere. So I, although it's a book now, it used to be just one of her quotes she used. And it really stuck in my head and has helped me through the tricky moments, especially this year. But it, it just stands for anything that comes your way. I love that. And what's a recent life lesson you've been reminded of? Probably it, it leads from that, which is if you feel a struggle, if you feel things are heavy, know that it's temporary and know that you've got solutions to get you through. You've got everything inside you that will help you to move on. And probably this time next year, it will be a whole different feeling. So the feeling of struggle and heaviness and grey, it's temporary and you've got solutions inside you. I couldn't agree more. And that is such a powerful reminder because often I think our world makes us believe that the solutions are everywhere else and we've got to go on this wild goose chase to find them. And actually, as your book delightfully shows you that actually you hold the tools. It's so brilliant. I can't wait to dive into it in just a moment. How do you define happiness? Happiness to me is a feeling and it's a calm and it's being present. So it's really kind of just bringing yourself back to centre and going, you know what, I'm okay today. I'm here. Look at what I've got around me. It's all fine. So yeah, happiness actually, when I thought about it, wasn't like a huge overwhelming goal or success or achievement. It was like a feeling more than anything else. So true. It's so true. And your book is a brilliant guidebook to kind of finding happiness and finding those good feelings again after the position of being made redundant. But as I said in the introduction, this book, yes, it's about obviously bouncing back from redundancy, but honestly, it is really a guidebook to bouncing back from any sort of rejection because it has kind of the same impact and the same process that we kind of go through in rebuilding ourselves. What are you hoping people take away from reading this? Maybe if I explain that the book is almost me helping myself (laughs) and it was written at a time when I didn't feel great and I was really trying to find solutions, I hope that that's what it's doing for others. And actually, I probably still refer to it now myself. Um, So it wasn't a book that I wrote retrospectively. Like I didn't, you know, become an overnight success or a millionaire the next day I got made redundant and then write about how easy it was. The book is written through years of me just searching for how do I feel okay about this? How do I make this a good thing? How do I own it? So if I can pass that on and somebody else can feel like that, then that's a bonus. That I think it really comes across in the tone. It's like really easy, really relatable. So you kind of split the book up between stages, uh, which is really easy to follow. And the stage one is a shock. Would you mind sharing kind of what was that experience like for you when you first got told that you're going to be made redundant? And were there any feelings that actually surprised you? The irony was, I think I wrote the first chapter last. So I actually started probably in the how am I going to solve this, which is almost at the end of the book. And then as I worked through it, I thought, what keeps going wrong? And it was this kind of shock experience. And when I'd been told the news myself, I probably hadn't really digested it as a shock. I just, you know, it's just another work process. 
something to kind of work through and then be positive and move on really quickly. So I hadn't really understood it as, as a grieving process or as a loss or anything like that. But that's certainly what was happening. You know, I felt all sorts of emotions. So I remember, I mean, it's a couple of days before Christmas, I got the news. And I remember feeling really guilty that I would ruined everybody's Christmas because they, they, they would be worrying about, mm. you know, what's going to happen. I carried a lot of guilt. And none of this is actually, you know, it, was it true or not? Who knows? Maybe some people were a bit worried. But, you know, most of the people just get on with it, don't they? Um, but I carried emotions like a little bit of embarrassment, shame, you know, panic, all of that stuff that you try and process at the same time as thinking, well, I've got to find a solution. I've got to get another job as soon as possible to end this pain. So I didn't know I was in shock. And so I pushed through and it was an error. You know, I didn't give myself time to just process what happened. I just tried to get into solution mode and that's where I went wrong, but that's where the book can help me put that right and go back and go, hang on a minute, how do you help yourself in this situation? I think that is such an important point. And as said, I mean, this is so applicable to anything, a breakup, um, any sort of kind of unexpected, you know, you're told you're going to, I don't know, get a promotion, you don't. Like, I just thought that was a really interesting point that we don't really think of. We immediately go into solution mode to try and, as you just said, take away the pain when actually all we need to give ourselves is space to process. What is the change curve on that note? So the change curve, some of us know the change curve from change management or certainly Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work when she's helping people through grief. Um, so we've been using the change curve all this time to help us through change management and change journey. And it is relevant. It gives us this beautiful curve of getting the news, feeling pain, in denial. You, you kind of sink a little bit low and then you start to bring yourself back up. It's this beautiful curve which is great, but actually the reality sometimes is more like a bowl of spaghetti, <laughs> big ball of string, just loop the looping, you know, like one of those roller coasters or something. You know, you think you're okay one minute and you're like, okay, this is good. And something just triggers you and you find yourself a ball of emotion and then you're all right again and you feel excited and then you feel frustrated and that's more how it feels. So, I just wanted people to know that having about seven different emotions, maybe even in one day, is fine. It's completely normal to accept that and not try to put pressure on yourself to keep up face all the time is part of moving on well. So, yes, there's the, the change curve, which is brilliant and really helpful. But I think the curveball change, which is kind of what I describe in the book, is is maybe more what people feel like on a day-to-day -day basis. And <laughs> um, going back to, you know, you were saying how you're experiencing a bit of guilt and shame, which are really common emotions and emotions I don't think that we always like take notice of. But actually in your book, you're saying it's not always terrible to feel guilt and shame because they actually can have a positive impact. Um, and you use a quote, uh, which I thought was brilliant. Psychologists even talk about guilt and shame providing useful energy to alert the brain that you need to find solutions and create ideas. I'd love for you to expand on that. Yeah, that was a bit of a revelation that day. I remember that when I thought, actually, a lot of negative energy, or we read it as negative energy, can be flipped into positive. 
So with guilt and shame, sometimes originally it's about protecting ourselves. You know, it's perhaps keeping us in a spot so we don't make errors and we don't put ourselves in a position of more vulnerability. So it's holding us in a place. Or it can be a signal that actually you need to check in and adjust something or something's not quite right. So when I was doing the research, it really just made me think about that and think, well, actually, sometimes we look for others to attach our problem to, oh, it was them, it's the way I was treated, the organisation is this, da 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 da, da. You know, it's all, but actually, internally, perhaps our guilt and shame is just a little signal of like, just check in there, do you have any accountability for this? Not in a personal responsibility way, but in a way that could signal what could you do now to help you move forward. So actually, it was a positive moment for me of blipping all this energy that I thought I had to like, okay, how can I use this positively to move forward? Um, and the same of that kind of feeling of frustration and even revenge, like I talk a bit about revenge as well, all this kind of stuff that we think, oh, that's quite negative. You can flip that energy to help you to actually move away from that door that's closing, not hold it onto it uh, for dear life. So yeah, it was definitely one of those moments of, aha moments where you think wow okay this is a changing point I can not feel bad about having these feelings I can use them so it's easier said than done because you know when you've got the rage and we've all been there right and you know you've you've, all that like that kind of shame and you're like okay this is kind of you know sometimes then you can flip the other way and start kind of self-blaming or whatever Mm -hmm. so what are some tools and tips that you might have to healthily manage that kind of anger or that shame so one of the things was probably and that's why I sort of moved into the the step two which is around stuck and seeing stuck as a sign that you're ready to move on and feeling all of this emotion and acknowledging it is the sign of right okay I'm open now I'm ready to take the next step and you're almost saying to yourself either right I'm over this now or for me I remember feeling quite tired of being fed up I was just like right come on I just need to step forward but even in that space it's accepting that it's going to be a bit messy You're going to live in a messy space of ideas, struggle, hope, no hope, rejection. It's all going to be still a bit of a tangle. But again, the message is that's okay. That's still step two. You've still taken a step two. So some of the tools is around creating time for that kind of messiness to go on in your mind. And I work with a lot of people who who come and say, I'm just stuck. I I don't know what to do next. I'm just a tangle. So it's creating space to just slow down that thinking and think, what do I really want to do? And I use sort of a few simple techniques at the beginning. What do you really want to do? Do you have an idea of what an ideal tomorrow scenario would be? Could you really describe that? So if everything came good for you, if all your luck came together, what would that look like for you tomorrow? And when you start playing in that space and thinking about it, Two things happen. Either people say, I have no idea what that would look like. I don't know. I can't even begin to think about that. Or they start playing in it and go, well, yeah, I'd be doing this. I'd be doing that. I'd be working with these people. This is what I'd be feeling. So either way, it's allowing yourself to believe there's there's an ideal scenario coming for you and start playing in that space. And then 
separating because there's reality here of people need to you know pay bills and or they need a priority of of healthcare or whatever they need so it's separating the two want is what you want to do in the future you want to move towards this ideal tomorrow how do you do it but need is around what do you need right now and being honest with yourself everybody has a number one priority so if you need to earn money to pay the bills make it a priority but don't lose your want so there's wants and needs and kind of separating that out is a big powerful tool that I kind of use with people at the beginning just so that they separate that thinking because most people think it's the same thing and it's not I you know we definitely have had some like emails into the podcast that have I guess shared the problem of being stuck in need and actually not being able to transition to want because life requires certain things so what is your advice in those situations where you've got to get a job you don't really want to do you're then uninspired again but that's life and you're like no life can be different it's opening up to that need the fact that the need and you're fulfilling that starts to present with opportunity so you're right I think people do just shut off so if they think look I just need money I haven't got time for all of this stuff they're all very nice having the goal but I haven't got time I just need to earn money and they shut off that opportunity stopped stop even believing that that's a possibility so keeping open to that and seeing opportunity in the way that you make that money creating time to do that thinking so a lot of people I work with say look I'm just going to have to get this use this job for now it's not quite what I want but it'll buy me time to start really thinking about what I want to do so it's seeing opportunity in that next step you take I love that and you share a tip in your book about uh, writing an intention what is that all about and how do you do it I've had to practice it. I'm going to be very transparent here. Like I was not very good at this at all. What I used to do, set up myself maybe, I don't know, 10 tasks I thought I had to do the day, wade through them, sometimes get distracted by email, sometimes get distracted by a phone call, just be all over the place, be very busy all day, get to the end of the day, feel exhausted and not achieve much. But so after a while, you get kind of a bit overwhelmed and exhausted, think, what am I doing? I'm not getting anywhere. So I reset. And being intentional is creating half an hour in the morning to sit and really think, okay, how do I want this day to go? What have I really got to do today? How am I going to put my heart and my soul into this? For example, if you've got a wade of job applications that you want to go for, choose maximum two, three, and really do the research, really put your heart and soul into it create an amazing cover letter, connect with someone on LinkedIn who perhaps works at that organisation, find out more about it. And that's being intentional. You actually setting that intention, like I'm going to put everything in to trying to get this rather than what I was doing, pressing that apply button on LinkedIn 50 times for 50 jobs I don't quite want, but maybe who knows, someone might catch something Mm. and you don't, you get rejected 50 times. And so there's a difference. So intention is more like, I really want this. I feel it. I'm passionate about it. Because when you do that, you're going to set yourself higher than the person who, like me, has just pressed the apply Mm. button. So you're already in the front running space rather than that person who didn't. 
I think that job process, especially the online forms, they can feel never ending. And you almost want to give up before you've even started because you feel like, oh, it's a numbers game. But actually, I love that to be like, no, maybe it's not a numbers game. It's actually actually being quite specific with where you're targeting. And I think this brings me on nicely to feeling overwhelmed by choices because you've kind of left that stuck stage. And now you're like, okay, I could do anything. Everyone's telling me that I could do anything, but actually that can be almost as paralyzing as thinking that you've got no opportunities. So what is your advice to kind of overcoming a choice paralysis? <laughs> it, it is funny, isn't it? We think we go from thinking we've got absolutely no options at all to generating a million opportunities. And again, we all go through this. So it's not unusual to feel like it. So what do you do? Well, the first thing is, if you've created that priority list, what do you really need to be doing right now as a short-term goal? And whether you've checked in with, well, right now I need to be looking after my family. Right now I need to look after my health. Right now I need to bring in money. That priority list is pretty much your filter to make decisions. It's really practical. And at any one time, you will have something number one on the list. So that already starts to reduce the options because you might have a million ideas for amazing business, but you don't know where to start. But it's something bubbling up inside of you. But priority wise, you think, well, I've kind of got to create space because I've got to look after my health. I haven't been well and I need to get myself better. So if you say, right, I've got to create space to look after myself. The next part of that is I also want to create a little bit of space to start playing in this area, but it, it's not priority. Somewhere down my list, but I'll just start bringing in time, maybe one thing a day. It just helps me move forward in that space, but really gently. So you're not overwhelming yourself with trying to do it all, with trying to start this amazing business, trying to bring in money straight away. You're being really clear with yourself what your priorities are. And then what I always say to people is start there. And nothing is the end or the beginning. It's just going to keep going. So you might get a job tomorrow. Great. You're bringing in money. But don't let go of that, you know, bubbling idea that's been going on. If it's still in your mind a few days later, a few weeks later, take a step into the unknown. Contact somebody about it. You know, have a play. Start writing a blog or something about it. You know, start playing with the idea. So it's not that you have to have everything lined up beautifully to press the start button and here we go. I think it's getting curious and playing with it all and allowing yourself to make mistakes, find out, oh, I didn't want to do that at all. I need to start again. So actually it's kind of the start of something rather than the end and that should reduce overwhelm that you don't have to have all the answers before you start something. I really love that. And I think, you know, one of the things that this book really touches upon is the fact that this moment in your life, when a door has closed, it actually creates this huge moment of self-awareness where you actually have time and actually you're giving yourself permission to say, what's my why? What do I want to do today? What do I want to do next? And it's amazing, me included, how we create a routine if you're in a job and you don't even question if you really like it or what your why is, or you don't even give air to, you know, a bubbling new idea for a business to allow it to grow. Um, but talking about wobbles and triggers, because this is something I really enjoyed, you know, you suddenly can wake up and go, oh, I think I've got this. I've read 
that chapter in the book, I'm feeling good, and bish bash bosh, a wobble and a trigger appears. Can you tell us what are they? Um, <laughs> and it, it really made me laugh about kind of Judy getting a promotion on LinkedIn. I would love that story. Um, yeah. So how do we navigate wobbles and triggers? And what are they? <laughs> Wobble day is just when you just feel like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? It just sends you off course. You thought, as you said, you thought you were okay. You thought you had it and you just did like, whoa, something's just making me not feel great. And it probably is a trigger. It's probably something that's just set you off. And you don't really have to have a list of things that are going to trigger you. It could be anything. So I think I said in the book one, one day, I remember, you know, I was still applying for jobs at this point because I thought I, I just had to get another job. And I remember for the, you know, 17th time filling in those applications online and they make you set, a, set up an account for every single time you've got to fulfill your CV as if you're going to apply for a million jobs in their business. It's so frustrating, all this stuff. And I remember it came up saying your password is weak. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that was it. I was like, oh, my God, even my password. I can't even set a password. And I just had it that day. So that was a, it was a trigger. It was just that final little tipping point of despair. But I'd probably been chipping away. Like I'd probably dealt with a million rejections or, you know, all these feelings all week. And then that one little thing just sets you off and you having a wobble day. Um, and you're right. Things like Good old LinkedIn. I mean, it's an amazing place to get opportunity. I send everyone there and I say, like, just be brave, post out, let's see what happens. But it is also a place of huge comparisonitis, of huge, oh, it's all right for them. Oh, it's, you know, everything that goes on internally it gets played out on LinkedIn. And that moment that one of your colleagues or where somebody, you know, who's equal to getting that job and they post that oh Sonto has just got a job with blah 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 and you're still applying can really set you back because you think oh my goodness and if you've applied for that job it's even worse I remember seeing someone turn their title into a job I'd applied for and I really wanted this job it was a cool job on on paper and yeah and I remember seeing them turn their title into it and I was just devastated I was like what why wasn't it me what what was wrong with me why why didn't I get through? And so you have to reset again and give yourself that time and again, grab hold of that internal chatter and say, oh, for goodness sake, you know, it's, it's just not, it's you're being redirected to something else. It's just another sign that says, no, you weren't right for that role. It doesn't mean you're not right. You're, you're perfectly fine. It's just, you weren't right for that. So just move on. God, honestly, it is we are all so guilty of wobbles and triggers. This is what made me laugh the section of the book, the book so much because it is, it, it's as small as Judy changing mm-hmm. her LinkedIn status that completely sends us in a volcano of like self-hatred. It's so nice just to know that like, we're not the only ones, you know, we're all going through this and not to worry about it. So what is the slow, slow, go slow section all about? <laughs> So shock and slow, slow go were the two chapters that I wrote at the end because I thought, right, shock I haven't addressed properly. I need to go back and do this really well. And then the other thing was in Unstuck and Thrive, it's all about doing and taking action, which is really where we kind of all jump to get major done and jump straight into Unstuck and Thrive. And I started reading up and doing research and a lot of the webinars and things that I was joining were all with this sort of headline about start before you're ready a leap before you jump, all of this stuff. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, this kind of terrified me a bit. 
I had this idea for something and I thought, oh, why not? Let's just do it. And I jumped straight into setting up this business, an online store selling beach towels. I have no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I just had this idea, got inspired by a webinar that told me to start before you're ready, jumped right in. Absolutely ridiculous. That was not what I should have been doing at all. And slow, slow go came to me because I thought, what on earth was I thinking? And I hadn't just slowed down to check in. Like, hang on a minute. Where are you at right now? What are you really wanting to be doing? How do you want to be living? What kind of other questions do you need to explore first? And then the next slow, so it's slow, slow go, because the first bit is checking in with where you're at in that clarity on your why. The second slow is around, okay, what's the right decision for me now? And it's often that decision that we have to take that stops us. We're just afraid to make a decision. Like, should I take that job? Or is there something better? Should I start the business? And so that second slow is just checking in, understanding why you're doing something and then going for it. I really like that because, you know, I also listen to a lot of these motivational things. And, you know, it's kind of, I think somebody, I can't remember who's saying it, but like the pendulum swing, we go from one extreme to the other. And I know I love just how you started the interview, you know, explaining how kind of you want to be full of action. Like I'm going to take away this pain. And then you start in a way doing things that maybe are so unright for you. And setting up a business is often like not right for everyone like it is a very very niche thing that you know you've got to really thrive in uncertainty or to your point let's say you did really want to carry on that beach towel store maybe like that having a slow slow go approach would mean you go maybe this would be better if I had a business partner who was going to complement the qualities that I don't have still having momentum forward but just with a slight more nuanced approach to moving forward that's so true. Exactly. And I think it's the problem that we're trying to solve. And we maybe don't just be, be really clear with ourselves. Like, what am I trying to solve here? Mm. Um, and in the book, I talk about stick, twist, bust. Like, that's the choice. So you can either stick to what you're doing and get a job. You can either twist because your skills, but twist your skills and do something with it or bust, do something completely different. And quite often people might think, right, I'm going to bust. I'm going to Forget the nine to five. I want freedom. I want to feel completely different of how I feel right now. I'm going to bust and start a business. And this is all going to be amazing. But when you start working with them or asking them more questions, it's actually not about that. Or if it is about freedom and you start saying to them, but running a business is 24 seven. How are you going to continue to build in freedom? What does freedom look like to you? You know, it's checking in that. It's the deeper knowledge of why and I, I think I sort of challenge people ask why five times why do I want to do this why do I want to do this why do I want to do this you know it's like keep going further and further and you'll get that real clarity because if you think that all the answers are about escaping the nine to five mm. that's not for everybody you know and I've got loads of examples of people who've started businesses and actually they want to go back to having a permanent job because actually they say do you know what probably just the environment I was working for the wrong organization now mm. I've found an organization I love now I just you know do my eight till six I know that that's what is expected of me brilliant I love it so it's that check-in I think that we sometimes miss decision fatigue obviously uh, can come about from asking all of these questions and suddenly get, you know 
you're in just a, a whirlwind of decisions, I guess, when you're in a big change. It reminds me of Steve Jobs and I, you know, reading about him and how, you know, the reason he wore the same thing every day was to take a decision out of his day. How do we overcome decision fatigue, in your opinion? Yeah, I love that. Uh, such a good example, Steve Jobs. And I did loads of research on this. And somebody um, I used to work with used to love George and Gilbert. I don't know if you know the artists that um, they do amazing, you know, elaborate art, but they have routine right up to the moment of going in the studio. And that's when they let their creativity flow. And then out of the studio, they go back to routine. So they're not wasting energy on anything that's not helping them in that moment of creativity. That was a real moment for me because I thought, do you know what? I don't even have one routine in my life when I was looking, you know, out of work. I just got up and muddled my way through through the day. Let's see what comes in the inbox. I might play with an application. I might go meet someone for coffee. You know, I didn't have that. So I put structure into my day and I almost made it like a, a project. I almost made it my work, but work that I enjoyed. So I was like, okay, for two hours, I'm going to look, search for jobs, or I'm going to try and play with this idea of this business idea and reach out to maybe three people in this hour. So I started structuring the day and building in time for downtime as well, because I was finding I was getting to the end of the day and really tired. And I'm thinking, what have I been doing? I've I've done nothing all day and I'm exhausted. So things like good old exercise, going for walks. I found a Pilates glass, you know, all that sort of stuff, just trying to build it into my day and keeping to structure. Suddenly helps you to have the energy for when a decision comes, you're not worn out. So you're not expanding energy on the wrong thing. You're already feeling fresh and probably building in downtime is that recharge. So that was definitely, as you say, that structural piece. And it goes against everything that you think you should probably be doing because you think, well, Point of having no work is at least I've got no structure <laughs> um, but actually structure can really help you to keep sane. So moving on stage four which is getting unstuck which we love uh, what are your top tips for getting unstuck? So there were three things that stood out for me one not being afraid to have a plan <laughs> and some people go oh my goodness I've just escaped corporate life and planning and now you're you know, bringing that back in. But what I realized was all of the things that we've learned from work, whatever we've been doing in the past, we can actually bring in to help us in the situation we're in right now. So I don't mean getting another job in terms of experience, but the application of thinking about a project, how do you plan for that? Bring that in. So create a little plan for yourself and say, okay, where am I at? What's my goal? What do I need right now? What's my objectives? What are some of the resources that I've got? What do I need? And that just that simple planning, that's the bit that will help you to direct energy where you need it. And the good question there that I always challenge people on to really understand is resources, as in what strengths have you got that's going to help you to get what you want? What do you need from others? And that's where you ask for help. The second part is around your story. So if you've kind of gone through the, what do I want in life? Who am I? Why why do I do what I do? And you've kind of explored those sort of questions. You can tell your story really well. And I said to people, all of that work will shine through in a cover letter, 
in a CV, in an interview, in a pitch for a client, in your business bio, it, that's what it'll play so hard for you because imagine knowing all of that stuff and going for an interview and they ask you, so why do you want this job today? You, you don't need to fear that question. You can be ready for it and thrive in it because you know that already. The final bit of that is tribe. I call it tribe, <laughs> but it's knowing the people around you because there'll be some people that are holding you in a space. They actually need you to wallow. They need you to be not great because the minute you start doing well, they're going to feel bad. They, all their fear is going to come up. So just checking in with who's around you, who is doing what you want to do. Can you use them as a role model? Who is uh, going to be your cheerleader? And get people around you that are helping you to feel good about whatever you're doing because it's not necessarily friends and family. They've got fear. They'll probably, they might be worried for you. They might be worried for themselves. It's not necessarily most immediate. They're still part of your network. They're not saying shut them off, but they, they're useful to you in a different way. And so try and find other people that will hustle you forward into whatever space you want to get to. I really love that. And that's such an important point. And sometimes we get annoyed with our friends and family, our closest ones for not being more of a cheerleader, like, why are you not encouraging me? Uh, and be and I also love your point about look at those people who are doing what you may want to do and look and see their role models, like find their career paths and kind of get inspiration from it. Because I think sometimes we like underestimate the power of like other people being able to be our kind of lights forward. Yeah. I really love that part of the book. And literally, like when I, you can just feel yourself being like, you're kind of like chest being puffed up as you read this book, because then you move into the last stage, which is thriving. What does thriving mean, I guess? Yeah, and it's, it's quite funny. You're right. I sort of like get everybody like, yeah, now it's time to thrive. And then for the majority of thrive, I kind of cover all of that. It might feel negative, but it's meant to be feel positive. So in thriving, that's the moment that you can accept Failure is a good thing because it means you're trying. It means that fear, you've grabbed it and you're being brave and you're stepping out and you're just going for it. Rejection, actually, is it rejection or is it just a no? Big difference. Like somebody saying no to you, it's just a no. That's just their opinion. It doesn't mean it's fact. So when you're thriving, you're owning that more. You're literally going, yeah, I failed in like four things this week. But yeah, it means I've put myself out there. I've tried. Yeah. You're sort of celebrating it. So thriving is all around that. And that whole chapter is about, you know, you might be actually doing the work now and not getting much for it, but actually future you. I had a business coach um, a few years ago and he used to say, uh, Robin Waite used to say, future you, yeah, future you needs to do the work now. And it's so true. So you might not get results today or tomorrow, but two years down the line, someone might just pop up and say, oh, yeah, I remember you from blah, blah, blah. So do the work without expectation of an instant hit. And that's what thriving is. It's kind of like taking those steps, small steps at a time, but owning it and just being open to see what happens. Are there any kind of habits that you've cultivated to help your ability and in your words in your book, the bounce back ability? I think the most important bit, I, I'm quite obsessed in post-it notes and Sharpies. <laughs> so I always get a post-it, I've got them surrounded here. I get a post-it note out and go, right, okay, where am I at? 
what's just happened? What's three things I can do now? And I was working three things. So whether it's three things today that I'm going to intentionally work on, or if it is a bit of a wobble day and I'm just having a bit of time out, like what are the three things that are going on for me? And exploring, is it true? Have I just made it up? What can I do about it? And working with three things and just focusing on that reduces overwhelm. It makes you feel like you, you've got control and it just puts things in perspective because you can literally go, oh, okay, I was worried about this. How much is true? None of it. I made it up. <laughs> and that gets eliminated. Post-it note disappears. So you've got, you know, two things to think about. Okay, this is a real problem. Where, how do I find solutions? Oh, that's such brilliant tips. And, you know, you also include a lot of lifestyle advice in here as well, because it's not all about your mind, is it? About kind of also physical health too. Yes. When we don't look after ourselves, we feel groggy and we think it's because of all these things going on. Oh, I didn't get the job, blah, blah, blah. When you check in, it's like, no, you haven't been eating very well. You, You haven't taken your exercise. Therefore, you haven't slept very well. You didn't go to bed before midnight. That's what's going on. That's why you're not feeling great. So grab hold of it and put in those little checks again. And a good tip someone once told me was try and do the healthy stuff. Like if you want to go for a walk, go for a run or whatever, you know, you want to do physically, keep yourself in shape, do it in the morning because you're done. And then as an active person in your mind, you're then free to kind of go for the whole day, you know, without thinking, oh God, I've got to go do get a run in somewhere. So that's a good tip, but it is, it's all part of that equation of keeping yourself in good shape. And it is peak performance. You know, when you get that great day where someone goes, right, come in for an interview of your dreams or right, come and pitch for the client that you want. You want to be at peak performance for that moment and exercise and keep yourself healthy starts to feel very different. It starts to feel part of you moving on well, not just another chore that you've got to do. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. As I mean, you've just shared so much wisdom with us. Um, there is even more wisdom in the book. Um, where can we find you on social if anybody wants to reach out for questions? And where can we find your book? So I'm at Another Door UK. My business is Another Door after the good old cliche of when one door closes, another door opens. And my book is, yeah, on sale, Amazon, Waterstones and independent bookshop which um, I'm a big fan of so um, yes it's available in all of those places well thank you so much it's been such a pleasure chatting to you and thank you for writing such a valuable manual I really enjoyed reading it it's been a pleasure to be on here Bobby thank you thank you for listening it would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating subscribing and sharing this podcast i also would love to hear from you so please find me at poppy jamie on instagram dm me and i would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss download happy not perfect my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes it's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs sending lots of love and energy see you next time normally being a little extra can be a bit much 
But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.